Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. 20 minutes to 2 o'clock, you're on Life FM, well, Life Happens on SAFM, and the lines are open, 891 I think all of us need space um, and time to just at least cough out what it is that's bothering us. It's a difficult, difficult time for all of us, and so I do welcome your calls, whatever it is that you want to discuss. I think many of us are feeling overwhelmed at this time, so you are more than welcome to call us. If we've got answers for you, we'll give them to you. If we need to get an official, we'll bring them to you. My next guest is is somebody I'm really looking forward to talking to because I think we have almost been here before. Not quite exactly the same way, but but we've, we've been here before. Mark Haywood, social justice activist and editor of Maverick Citizen, joins us now on the line. Mark, it's extraordinary times. How are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> uh, good afternoon, Pamela. Yes, it is extraordinary times. I'm, I'm very well, uh, thankfully, at the moment. Um, like everybody else, feeling a little bit... Uh, room locked uh, in the lockdown, but it's strange from a single room where you're working 15 hours a day in constant conversations with people and planning and intervening and trying to get things right. So it's odd to be so still, but be so busy at the same time. Yeah. Mark, we, we've, we've, we've had a crisis like this before, a health crisis, and I'm referring to HIV and AIDS. You were there at that time. What have we learned from our mistakes that we could apply now? Well, yes, we have. And, and, and it's important to remember that we have had a crisis that was very different. HIV yeah. is very different from COVID-19. But, but let's not forget that 3 million people have died of AIDS yeah. uh, in the last 20 years in our, in our country. Yeah. And there was a point when literally thousands of people were being infected a day with HIV, and there was a point when nearly a thousand people a day were dying yeah. uh, because of AIDS-related illnesses. So, yes, we have been here before, um, but I think that we have learned uh, from from you know, AIDS epidemic was at its worst probably ten years ago, fifteen years ago. The first thing is that you know you can't really fault the government's sense of urgency. Uh, in the way that it has responded to COVID-19. Mm. There's been no beating about the bush. Um, the messages are relatively clear. Mm. It's the implementation yeah. and how people understand them that is, is a challenge. So I, I think that's something that we can take a great deal of, of, of comfort from, that we're not wasting uh, any time. Mm. But on the other hand, you know, just as with HIV, we're struggling to get people to uh, understand uh, the seriousness of this crisis. We're struggling to get people whose lives are beset by other challenges and difficulties to rank this difficulty uh, and listen to the messages. So, you know, I'm very much uh, involved in the response to COVID-19, but I think on every single day I'm able to draw uh, from our experience with HIV. One of the biggest challenges, you've just alluded to it now, is is just getting the message across. And um, just the other day, I had a conversation with a caller who who had thoughts, and, and these were not new thoughts because we've been hearing these thoughts, and, and I'm referring to conspiracy theories. And, and somebody even yesterday called me to call me out on that and saying, well, I didn't give that person enough of a chance. Now, I want us to go to reflect on this now and what yes. you had experienced and know what happened during HIV and AIDS where 
every conspiracy theory was taking up space instead of us focusing on what needs to be done. I'm worried about that. Are you not? Yeah, I am. And and people who entertain conspiracy theories yeah. should uh, remember that you know we battled for five or six years with with the president uh, who held to the belief that HIV didn't cause AIDS and was. Uh, resolutely opposed to using, to working with the best scientists in the world and blocked access to life-saving treatment. Uh, first of all, for pregnant mothers who had HIV and later for people with HIV themselves. Those wasted six years mm-hmm. probably cost us three or four hundred thousand lives directly mm-hmm. and the wasted time meant that, that the infection continued to spread and grow across our country. And, and we're still, you know, we don't talk much about AIDS these days, mm. but it's still there and we're still the worst affected country in the world and we're still paying a price for, for, for those days. So, you know, people have to understand COVID-19 is a virus that is not, uh, or is a disease caused by a virus that is not in, invented. It's not a fiction. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a viral pathogen uh, that scientists understand. Uh, it's a viral pathogen, one of many, but unfortunately a very, very virulent one that is uh, developed every year around influenza, etc., etc. You know, the science is absolutely clear. The only thing that isn't uh, uh, clear is that we weren't ready for, for a virus with this level of infectiousness and with this level of of, of uh, immediate impact on particularly on 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 people with pre-existing diseases and older people on their respiratory systems. Mark, but the science, yeah. little that we doubt about the science. Yeah, Mark, I, I want to know what what role we can play apart apart from being at home and and doing that, meaning we keeping everybody safe. I want to know what role as citizens we can play. And I want to give you a very simple example. We've been having a conversation with scientists on this particular program. So I'm going to speak about myself. And yep. and we 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 getting under we. Uh, I mean, it's not clear, but we're getting some understanding of how the virus works and, and how we should react to the virus. So, for instance, the use of masks and so on. But I sit here with a bit of discomfort because I was just telling my producer that I'm not sure if we fully know what we're saying. And I'm not sure if all the scientists are on the same page about that. And when I read up on our strategy I wonder if we shouldn't also be directing government with our voices on what we think maybe should be the direction we should be going in use of, say, it's masks or whatever. So there are some reports that coming that come from the Czech Republic, for instance, where the rule in the Czech Republic, apart from staying at home, was every single person use, needs to use a mask, irrespective of what you're doing, where you're going. You have to use a mask and everybody was masking up. And that flatlined, right? We are having a different conversation in this country where we are cautioning people about using use of masks because if you don't use it properly or dispose of it properly, then it can reinfect other people. And I suspect that has actually something to do with shortage of masks and accessibility to masks. And number two, it's also 
our avoidance of educating people properly because if we've done that we wouldn't be worried about how people are going to use the masks am i wrong in my concerns Pamela, I wish we had a few hours because you're asking all the right questions and let me try and break it down in, in my answer. First of all, there is a role for every single one of us. We may be locked down. That doesn't mean that we are incapacitated. Yeah. Uh, our first responsibility is to, from trustworthy sources, inform ourselves mm-hmm. about this virus. The best trustworthy source is the World Health Organization, which has a website, as well as our own government's website, the uh, coronavirus website. Uh, Get accurate information, work out what it means for you. Every one of us is connected to churches, to schools, uh, to families who aren't with us at the moment. We should be talking to our friends and families and schools and churches to make sure that the people that we love and know are doing the right thing and taking you seriously as well. That, that's one thing that we should do. The second thing you say, should we be active citizens in relation to government? Yes, we certainly should. Um, government may be responding with urgency. It doesn't mean that it is going to get everything right. Mm. And we do need to organize ourselves. And I, it's something I've been doing quietly, <laughs> but using my networks for the last three weeks. Mm. Uh, um, because government has made mistakes. You know, we have, have created a civil society alliance, which now has uh, close on 200 organizations across the country, uh, working in many, many different fields, working together, talking together, operating together, and trying to make sure and remind government who is the most vulnerable uh, in this epidemic and are they doing enough to make sure that those who are the most vulnerable, which of course is poor people in overcrowded conditions and sick people, people with HIV, are hearing the messages, are being aided in every way possible to act on the messages. So advocacy, critical, but advocacy must be informed. That's Mm. why it relates to the first point I made about knowing what you're talking about. Mm. And the third thing, Camilla, which I would urge all your listeners to think about, you know, we published an, an article today in Maverick Citizen uh, about what's happening in Cape Town. And in Cape Town, these things have been formed called collective action networks. There's more than 70 of them. Just, uh, Mark, communi- I, I beg your pardon. Please just repeat that again. I say, we, we published an article today in yes. the Daily Maverick yes. uh, uh, by a young woman called Pamela Silwana. Yes. Describing how in Cape Town, uh, communities have formed what are now called collective action networks. Okay where community members work together to assist each other, to work out who is the most vulnerable, to share things like soap and water where people don't have soap and water. And what's fascinating is that wealthier communities Mm -hmm. have paired with poorer communities Mm -hmm. to help them. So they give the example of Seapoint, people in Seapoint who are working with people in Guguletu. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they, they, they are literally ensuring that people in Guguletu have some of the, mm-hmm. the basic resources that are, are needed. So we, we, sh- we should see that there are opportunities for solidarity mm-hmm. with each other and for helping each other. And I, I ask myself, I, mean, I don't know, probably doing this from, not from the SABC, 
see studios, but I, I'm watching what's happening in Alex, mm. where there's a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking how good it would be if Ilovo or Fenton, Fenton. established links with Alex yeah. and they work together to reduce Alex's vulnerability. Yeah. So the message is there's so many things we can be doing. Wow. Let's take the calls, um, uh, Mark. There's somebody who wants to comment on this conversation. Jeremiah, you calling us from the Eastern Cape. Good afternoon, Jeremiah. Good afternoon, ma'am. How are you? I'm well. Go ahead, Jeremiah. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm a medical practitioner in this state. Um, a couple of things. Um, like the last call I was saying is, is absolutely correct. The government did its best initially, um, the closing of the schools, the lockdown, and what they could. Uh, but clearly, you see, it's beyond the capacity of the government now to, to manage this. One of the things that I think they are missing out on is informing people. This is not your day-to-day kind of scenario. I mean, we have a national broadcaster that could be used very effectively to shout as loud as possible to like the broadcasters with the indigenous languages for the people. Yes. Because in a situation like where I am, Abad Wasimakaya have really no interest in a virus that does not affect them directly on a day to day basis. They just hear it. And as such they don't attach the necessary urgent to the measures that are put in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the one point. Yeah. The other point is that it is out of the government's hands right now. It is truly, truly up to the individual South African mm-hmm. to, like the example that is given in Cape Town, the government cannot do anything. Mm-hmm. It actually comes back to that old thing. The government is us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even after we've started dying and everything because we've ignored the warnings, we will still blame the government, you see. So, as a medical practitioner myself, yes, we are understaffed, we are under everything. But the biggest thing that the government can do right now is inform people just how bad the situation is. Wonderful call there, Jeremiah. Thank you so much. Mark, you know, the, he brings up an, a point that I've, I've had issues with for a while. So for me, my sense is that it's, it really is all good and well. We, we seem at a very high level to be managing this. You see the minister every day and it's commendable. You see the president and it's commendable. But what, what I think we didn't do is there just wasn't a period where masses and masses of educators on the ground were mobilized to number one educate 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 and send the messages across what we are seeing instead is policing so we are policing without having had buy-in from the people because you know someone made the point earlier a, a, a police officer expects me to go sit in my shack and never leave the toilet is a two meters away toilet, which is the yeah. way the structure is, is, is in my community. And yeah. they don't understand it. They don't understand that I need to leave the shack to go to the bathroom, which is not within my vicinity. And, and that's difficult because what it says is that we, we, we are not empathetic to the realities on the ground. Pamela, I, I agree totally with you and with, with the caller, with Jeremiah. And I mean, there's no point crying over still milk now, but 
you know, a number of us did advise the government to delay the, the lockdown for a few more days whilst these basic things are done. Mm. We, we, did, we brought it in very quickly and we, we weren't ready in certain crucial respects. But now it's happened. Yeah. So now we have to make it work. Yeah. Uh, um, and and a, a critical word you said was empathy. Mm. You know, government has to have empathy with the difficulties that people experiencing following the good advice that government is giving. Government has to look at all its resources. I mean, you are, from, you are in the SABC. I'm very angry at the SABC, it's doing great reporting, uh, wonderful reporting in some ways. Hmm. But as Jeremiah said, if I was the CEO of the SABC or board, I would spend 70% of its time at the moment hmm. over to just basic, clear yep. messaging. Yep. You know, what we've learned from HIV is can't talk down to people. Hmm. SABC has an educational role mm-hmm. to play at the moment about the facts of the virus, the science of the virus, because... When people understand an issue, they will act on it. If they just talked down at or talked to, it's much, much more, more difficult. So I don't know why, at this point, that isn't happening in, in, in SABC and in other media. And I don't know why, Mark. Have we, why have we not used the languages that people understand exactly. to communicate <laughs> yeah. to the people? I say this with a heavy, heavy heart broadcasting on an English radio station, but I am not seeing it. I'm not seeing anybody speak in the languages that people will understand. Yes. You're so right. You're so right. And if I was allowed out of my lockdown, I would come and and hold a picket outside the SABC and make that precisely that demand. Because as I understand it, it has a reach of up to 30 million people a day through the indigenous language stations. We should be using it. It would save lives. It would protect us from this disaster it has to happen yeah mark looking forward um yeah. on the ground you said you're mobilizing what what do you what would you like to see happen what do you think we could do as a collective to make this work well i think we have to do two things i mean we have to first of all stop this virus yeah. and do everything in our power to stop that that's 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 the critical first thing and that means doing what we're advised to do, helping people to do what we're advised to do, uh, helping to scale up testing, which remains so critical at this moment in time, helping with contact tracing, etc. That's that's a responsibility uh, that's on all of us. A second critical thing we've identified, which we're all worried about, is food security uh, as a result of this lockdown. We have to have plans and we have to be preparing to assist each other, both making demands on government and business to make sure that food systems are protected and get to every person in the country, but also looking, again, across our neighborhoods that we need to help and to, to, to heal. The third thing, Pamela, is that I hope that we will get out of this crisis uh, in a few months' time. And when we get out of this crisis in a few months' time, we have to look very hard everything that has happened in our society that has made us so vulnerable Mm. to a disease like this, the inequalities, the terrible housing, the overcrowding, the Mm. understaffing of hospitals and clinics, the lack of equipment, etc. And it goes back to where you started. We have to say to our government, never again. You're going to do things very differently from this moment 
on because this won't be, this is a trial run. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is, you know, this will not be the last viral pathogen. There could be something even worse in a decade's time or five years' time. So there's a massive lesson that has to be learned from this. But at the moment, it has to be all hands on deck on trying to do our utmost to, to limit the damage of the, of the virus we're dealing with at this moment in time. Mark Hayward, always a pleasure talking to you, social justice activist and editor of Maverick Citizen. Uh, thank you very, very much for your take there. Two o'clock, let's go to Utsi Lasaku for the latest in SABC News.